It has been well said that what an individual is in secret on his knees before God, that he is and no more. Now, the great thing about Daniel chapter 9 is that we not only get the externals of a man who walked with God or a man who prayed earnestly and intensely, but we get to read the prayer. We get to look at the very words that he used. We get to see the tone, the spirit, the various elements of what made up the prayer life of this man of God. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Today we're turning to Daniel chapter 9 and to Daniel, the man of prayer. Some days ago I asked the question, do you pray? And this is indeed the acid test of a genuine faith, a genuine Christian. When Paul the Apostle was converted, it was said of him, Behold, he prayeth. And you need to be a man or woman of prayer. So stay tuned as we come to this passage in the Bible, Daniel chapter 9. We're going to have our Bible reading. Then we'll get into the message and then a hymn. And we'll close off with announcements letting you know more about our radio ministry here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Welcome and stay tuned as we move to the Bible, Daniel chapter 9. We're turning to our Bible, to the book of Daniel, chapter 9, and we're going to read down to verse 15. The book of Daniel, chapter 9, reading from verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of Azri, and I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he should accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned, we have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near, and that are afar off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. 
O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renown, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Amen. We'll end our reading there. May the Lord bless this word. Please stand with me and we'll pray for a moment, asking heaven's blessing upon our ministry this evening. Father, we come to thee in the name of the Lord Jesus this evening. We thank thee, O God, for the light of thy word and for the privilege of reading Daniel's prayer, a prayer that came from a heart that was aching for heaven's help in the needs and the burdens of exile life in Babylon. O oh God, wilt thou hear our cries and teach us how to pray, even as we get an insight into Daniel's prayer. O oh Lord, make us to be men and women, young people who know how to pray biblical prayers. We ask, Lord, you'll have great mercy upon us, upon thy church, and upon our nation. For like the days of Daniel, we also have to confess, we have sinned against thee. We ask for thy mercies, therefore, and help now to preach thy word. O oh God, do a work in us this evening that will change us more and more into thine image and prepare us more and more to serve and glorify thee. In Jesus' name we ask. Now through these chapters in the book of Daniel, we have picked up that Daniel is a man of prayer. At every crisis that he met, every time of decision, he was a man who called his friends to pray for him, or when the challenge came that none should worship the God of heaven, he continued to go to his house, opened the windows toward Jerusalem. There was not a one in the palace 
that didn't know that Daniel prayed to Jehovah, the God of Jerusalem. We learned also that he prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And so we can look to Daniel as a model of prayer. It has been well said that what an individual is in secret on his knees before God, that he is and no more. Now, the great thing about Daniel chapter 9 is that we not only get the externals of a man who walked with God or a man who prayed earnestly and intensely, but we get to read the prayer. We get to look at the very words that he used. We get to see the tone, the spirit, the various elements of what made up the prayer life of this man of God. Now, here in this chapter, we find that Daniel was inspired to pray because it was a time of change. There was a new king, Darius. Now, the Mede was upon the throne. And as in every sphere of life, there is no other constant but change. And when change comes upon God's people, it is definitely a time to be in prayer. And that's why prayer is always needed, because we have not walked this way before. We have not gone through a pandemic ever before. We have not gone through a period of time whenever the enemies and those liber uh, libertines seek to destroy the laws of God and bring this land into secularism and defy the God of the Bible. Now, Daniel was also inspired to pray because of Bible study, something as normal, elementary, as just reading the scriptures. And we're told here in this chapter 9 that when he was reading God's word, verse 2, in the first year of his reign, that is Darius' reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he should accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, Daniel was a man who received visions from God. We have looked at a number of them already, but he did not throw away the scriptures, nor did he discount the writings of other prophets, such as Jeremiah. And it was while reading the writings of Jeremiah that he learned that 70 years were determined for this terrible exile in the land of Babylon. Now, in a way, I'm surprised that he didn't know that. I'm surprised that he had to learn it at what would seem to us this late stage in the exile. And it appears that he read this very close to the end of that period, and that excited uh, Daniel to pray. And it gave him a basis on which to pray. Now, if you care to look up the book of Jeremiah, and to look at the text, it's chapter 25, 11. And there we will learn these things. Um, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment 
and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Seventy years. And God keeps his promises, but he also keeps his threats. And these seventy years would be no longer and no less. And as Daniel focused upon this, and again, I am surprised that he didn't already know this, or he needed to be suddenly reminded of it. Sometimes that happens when we read the Bible. Things that we have known for years, we have known most of our lives, and we come afresh to that portion of the Bible, and it just stands out. It's, it's like God speaking to our hearts, even as God spoke to little Samuel. It's the Lord laying that truth upon us at that hour for a specific reason. And Daniel was greatly stirred by this. Now, this discovery was also a wonderful answer to the question in chapter 813, how long? How long will we be in this exile? And here the answer comes in a very fresh way to Daniel. Now, Daniel's response was earnest prayer and private prayer. He didn't call all the Jews. He didn't call others in at this point, but he got alone with God and he sought the Lord in prayer. And you want, I want you to read the words in verse 3. You will not find better, clearer words in all of the Bible of a man or woman fixated, earnest in seeking God. It says in that verse 3, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And here is a model for private prayer. This should describe our praying. If someone dropped in here at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, or at 5.30 on a Sunday evening, or again at 7.30 on a Wednesday evening, this is the kind of praying that they ought to hear. Or if we could be a fly on the wall and listen in to the prayers of God's people as they pray alone with God, this is the kind of praying that we should hear. And we learn that every Christian is called to a life of private prayer. Now, sometimes pastors are not very sympathetic to people who are timid about praying in public. Most preachers and pastors can't understand that because, I don't know, they have a gift of the gab or they have a boldness or no problem to speak in public. And to hear that someone that just is like climbing the ladder to a tall building, it scares the life out of them. That might be so. And everyone might have their own reason for being a little shy about praying in public. And there's no question that you never expose yourself more than when you open your mouth and your heart in prayer. Because prayer truly does open the window to allow all to know who you are and what you are. In fact, if I was calling a new minister to church, I would want to hear his praying as much as his preaching. And maybe that's a little clue that you should take to heart. 
that when it becomes time to seek a new minister in this church, that you want to have one who knows God in prayer. There are some people who can be very eloquent, but their prayer life can be very shallow. But there's no excuse for private prayer. There is no excuse for getting alone with God and seeking the Lord with all our hearts. And it is profitable. Daniel certainly proves that. And so, I want to ask every believer here to stir up yourself to private prayer. And let us take this model of Daniel and ask, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Give me power in prayer and give me guidelines in prayer when I get alone with God. Now, this heading, and maybe a couple of my headings tonight, may be a little more complex than I normally like to have them. But I try to whittle them down, and as you whittle anything, it seems to just reduce it. So I want you to listen carefully to this first heading. Daniel's prayer was based upon the direct link between prayer and God's way of ruling the world. Now, that's a big statement. Daniel's prayer was based on the direct link between prayer and God's way of ruling the world. I ask, why is Daniel and his private prayer recorded in this chapter? Why did he write it in his own book? And why did God, by his Spirit, record this and have it in the Scriptures for every one of us to read and learn from. And the answer is that God wanted this record for his church and his people in all ages to learn that private prayer moves the hand of God in world affairs. Now that seems too huge, too beyond our little tiny world at our address, in our basement, or in our bedroom, as we would call upon God. How can any individual's prayer life really bring about and effect change within the world? Well, the Bible is full of this principle. Let me take you to the book of Revelation, to chapter 8, verses 3 to 6. Revelation chapter 8, 3 to 6. I hope we learned something of this when we were looking in the book of Revelation. And we come again to remind ourselves. And here we have the seventh seal that is opened. And there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And then these seven angels came forth, blowing their seven trumpets. And in verse 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense. Now that's prayer. The altar of incense and the incense that was burned, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, and filled it with fire off the altar, and cast it into the earth. 
and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. And so you can see that from the prayers of the saints, the activity of heaven and the commands of heaven to go forth to minister was the result. Another example I thought of was Ephesians 6, where Paul called upon the saints at Ephesus to remember to pray for him that he with boldness may preach the gospel as he ought to speak and that the power of God would rest upon him. Why would Paul call people to do that? Or as James said, ye have not because ye ask not. And there we learn in these reminders the Bible teaches that God does nothing in the world apart from prayer. Now, I think it either takes naivety or a high degree of faith to really grasp that. I suppose in early life and Sunday school, when boys and girls learn some of these things, they don't really think of what that involves. And maybe as a new Christian, we didn't even think of what all of that involves. But the mature Christian, the saint of God who's walking with God and seeking to build up his prayer life, needs to grasp the reality that a little faint voice on earth can reach all the way to the very throne of heaven. And God who rules the world to build his church can take that little faint prayer, and by the merits and the power of Jesus' blood shed on the cross, turn that into a victory and an a gracious blessing upon the work of God on earth. We learn, too, that the mark of every God-sent revival in the world is based on the power of prayer through individuals or small groups that call upon God in prayer. Certainly that was true in 1859 in places of revival like New York, Wales, Northern Ireland, and various other places. There is a home in County Antrim in the north of Ireland. And a few years ago, I was back there and the Free Presbyterian Church in Ulster, uh, the ministers had a, a day of visitation and I went along, and we stood at the very little home. Uh, now it's all renovated. It's changed a lot since 1859. A little stone home. And it was there that four men in particular met for a few years. They brought along an armful of turf. They lit the fire, and they got to prayer. And they prayed for several years before the revival in 1859. The same principle is true of the revival that came to the Isle of Lewis in 1949, when two sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith, one was 84 years old and the other was 82, and one was completely blind. And in their aged and arthritic state, they set themselves to pray over the declension that was in the churches on that Scottish island. And they pleaded with God on the text 
of Isaiah 44, 3, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and streams on the dry ground. Now, this led them to pray in their small cottage two or three nights per week. Some historians give the hours that they prayed. I don't know if we can limit them to particular hours. I'm sure after they prayed for set hours, they were praying through the day as well. But they continued to pray until after several weeks, they had a vision of the church being crowded with young people and an unknown minister preaching from the pulpit. Peggy then sent for her own minister, James Murray McKay was his name, and she told him that she sensed that the Lord was going to send a revival and that he must get his church leaders and spend every Tuesday and Friday night in prayer and that, that they would pray simultaneously in their cottage. The minister, Mr. McKay, respected these ladies so much for their close walk with God and for their spiritual judgment that the call for prayer was made. And there was a group of pastors in the region that met to discuss the spiritual declension on the island. And together they composed a resolution to be read on a certain Sunday in all the free churches in Scotland. It was an appeal for all believers to view with concern the barrenness of the parishes so they would turn again unto the Lord whom we have grieved with our waywardness and iniquities. It also involved asking the people to pray that the villages would be visited with a spirit of repentance. And the history is of Duncan Campbell, a man who was not familiar at that time. He arrived on the island to preach. And when he arrived, the people were gathered waiting for the ministry of the gospel and revival broke out. But it began with a few meeting for prayer. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.lt 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. <music>